welcome to the Gridiron Show. Ollie and Will here in the, well, not in the studio. Will's at home. I'm in the studio. That's why I'm doing the intro. We're going to be breaking down all of week nine. We've got your Twitter questions. And also, we will be talking about the new division of disgrace. Who will it be? Will it be the AFC South? Will it be the NFC North? Will it be someone else? I don't know. I'm so excited about it. It's the Gridiron Show. Yep, in the ramshackle, poorly planned opener. Uh, <laughs> it's Ollie here in the studio. Will Gavin, uh, down the line on... Hey, buddy! At home. That's why I'm doing it. Hey, man, how's it How's it going? How's it hanging? Oh, I'm just going to be getting accusations across the Twitter sphere at Gridiron, at Will Gav, at Ollie Hunter for you, uh, of being a triple B because I made you do the intro. But it's just much easier when I'm on Skype because we have all sorts of issues with levels and all that I'll tell nonsense. Tell you what it peaks. People, for those that are technically inclined, when it's down the line on a on a on on Skype, it it peaks and then cuts out. So we don't hear Will and his wonderful dulcet tone. So <laughs> Here's my question for you, Ollie. Yeah. Am I in physical danger right now? Uh, don't know. Well, the reason I ask this question is because I've, I'm just on Twitter, as I always am during the show, in case we get any further tweets that I haven't put into our running order. And I've just seen at TalkSport Drive, the legendary Adrian Durham tweet, Crazy day, emergency minor surgery at 12.30, drive show at 4. Couldn't have done it without the team. Tweeted you, obviously, as part of that. But just saying, um, if your one presenter has had to have minor surgery, I'm concerned that I'm going to be following down that route. See, I didn't know he had minor surgery. He didn't say anything. Brilliant. He didn't Brilliant. Say, well, get well soon, Aid. Um, he didn't say anything at all. That's incredible. Well, he's just tweeted about it. Yeah, so. well, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Well, maybe he maybe he told the rest of the team, and because you were late into work, because we bumped into each other in the street and had the most awkward fist bump of all time. I can't that, believe you. Uh, you, you he's you gone so, late. guys. He's gone so triple B that when I went for the follow up fist bump, you know, like a it was a it was a, a down and then yeah, it, it it needed to, but he was like, I'm not doing two, and then just left. It wasn't. A double fist bump, though. I offered out a regular, normal height fist bump just yep. for the, the touching of the knuckles. What you did was you took my offer of a single fist bump and you tried to turn it into the Will Smith-style top, bottom, then in the middle, psh, all of that stuff. And I was like, no, I offered you a single fist bump, and that's what you're getting. And if you Mate. choose to do it as an on-top one, Mate. that's not on me. You've got no idea about this. You've got no idea. If you go for an on-top, you expect a, expect one back. That's courtesy, common courtesy. You, sh- you shouldn't have gone for an on-top. That wasn't what was on offer. Well, how do I know that? It was pretty obvious. No, it's not. You it stick pretty, it, You stick out obvious. a fist... It's therefore, but I didn't stick my out choice. a low fist. It's, it's not like when you my offer a low five and it's really obvious. Uh, you're wrong. It, therefore, it's my choice. Um, well, I know. I know who I won't be fist bumping anytime soon. Then, oh, right? It's like that, is it? Oh uh, yeah. It's... I would like to. I am tired and I am hungover, and this is how today is going to be. Let me let me tell you a, a mutual, I would say, friend of ours uh, texted me the other day. Uh, not the other day, earlier today, and I oh, will read. Do you, I have to guess who it is? I will read you the texts. Uh, here we go, and these all came in separate texts. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, 
is just Paul Dusicki and I are listening to something called The Gridiron Show. It's quite good, you know. This is all in separate text. So, Frape affects victim of victims of rape? When does the American football start? At the moment you're talking about baseball, you are denigrating it like you tell me off for like for, uh, for like you tell me off for doing about nfl that didn't make sense catching up on your old beauty when did you get beauty in the first place why are you talking about australian master chef when does the verbal start stop <laughs> yawning ollie these are all fair points i mean they're all fair fair points i think it the last show it took us ages to get to any footballs so for that and for Toby Gillis and his girlfriend, Claire, I was going to say, I, I, I wanted to make a guess on who it was, and I was going to suggest that I thought it was going to be the same man behind the crunchy story, but there we go. It's the, it's, that that's exactly who it it's is. It's the very same man. Um, <laughs> I think, right, I've cheered up now. I'm going to stop being horrible to you. I think maybe it's, is it too much waffle and not enough football? We'll well, never know. We'll never know. But thanks for listening, guys. It's, it's not like there's any way of us getting direct feedback from listeners. Oh, wait. <laughs> there is plenty of ways of us yeah. doing that. Yeah. So just let us know. You, noose and abuse, please. Noose and abuse? I don't know what that means. Um, uh, there are a couple of our prizes that have gone unclaimed. Um, uh, people who haven't listened to the podcast last week yet. I do find it weird when people tweet us saying, just catching up on the podcast. Because even though I'm really glad that you guys are listening and I thank you for it, I kind of feel like, particularly with the preview show, if the weekend's happened, just don't bother. Yeah. Like, just download it. We still get the hit then. Everyone's happy, but, you know, it's just an hour and a half of your life you're probably throwing away because we're meant to be an hour long and never are. Should we aim to be an hour today? I think we should aim to be slightly less. Oh. I know. Let's, 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 I did at one let's point cut the crap and did, make it just full-on quality football analysis. Does that I, I did, oh, no, that's, that's not it. Analysis. Um, yeah, it's a self-fulfilling jobby. Um, I did at one point suggest three pods this week. I mean, we could do three pods. Only because we've got to do the Gridiron Mid-Season Award Show! But I think what we do is we combine that with the weekend preview. We do the award show. Oh, nice. Hey! It's the Gridiron Mid-Season End of Season Award Show. With your host... Ollie Hunter. And Will Gavin. I just wanted you to be the host and I'll just be the announcement man because I can do that silly voice. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, so Mike White's going to join us. Paolo Bandini may join us, although he said he's very busy this week. Matt Sherry should join us, but he's kind of being a bit pissy on Facebook chat today in general. Um, oh, he is, isn't he? Oh, he's being so demanding. I'm like, I've got a real job. Sherry, Stop. we do this for free. <laughs> <laughs> this is free. <laughs> this is this quality high-end content is very you know there are people who pay us to do this and yet we're doing it for you for free so um yes i have read your facebook message no i'm not going to respond immediately i'm at work okay i, I like that <laughs> uh should we talk some football then yes the awards sorry the, so the awards are going to be later this week we want some categories from you uh for great end of uh, end of season mid-season awards we'll do the usual stuff we'll talk about rookie of the year up to this point we'll talk about mvp up to this point we'll talk about coach of the year we'll talk about first coach to get fired on black monday is a, a one we always do but give us some fun ones give us some silly ones and give them some good names as well I'm sure we'll find a way to crowbar in the 7 and 9 Bull Hickey Award, mm -hmm. uh, for example. Yeah. Okay, Dave. 
Okay, Dave. Um, right, there were a few bits of news. The Atlanta Falcons, who obviously pay, played way back when this weekend, we've talked about that game already. Um, great start to the year, and Thomas Dimitrov has signed a three-year extension, the uh, GM that has put together that that uh, roster, which is doing ever so well with Dan Quinn this season. A 6-3 and three record and been very impressive, so good stuff uh, the, but is that that phone again yeah it, it's it's linked to the one upstairs so they'd answer it straight away ah uh, okay but it'll intermittently ring I apologise to all and sundry uh, Buck signing ex-Eagles wide receiver Josh Huff to the practice squad that's a thing yeah I mean um, how long was it? he was at the Eagles for what three two three years and I know he got released after that uh, that uh, infraction shall we say but he didn't really break out ever at all. It, it, it's a bit meh. But then we've seen other players go from one team to to the other, and and it work out. So you never know. We want loads to talk about football wise though this week, including why my fancy team name in every league is now going to be Chris Boswell, Fail Rabona, um, and uh, why I, you've kind of you've kind of spoiled in the intro my chat about the division of disgrace because we're going to talk about divisions which could have three teams come out of them and everyone's tweeted in their suggestions and potential divisions of disgrace now not one person has suggested my outsider pick for the division of disgrace a lot of people getting in touch saying the afc south is the obvious one the afc north surprisingly could be the division of disgrace no one above 500 despite the amount of talent in that division does that allow it to be that we'll get on to all of that shortly um but what we normally do here is we throw to me talking about monday night football tonight it is bills against the seahawks that game is happening a few hours after recording this. So, Ollie, would you like to make some silly noises and then I'll talk about it? Ah! Monday night football. Uh, before I get angry and get into this one, I just want to first of all mention what a game, what a great game on Monday night. I'm talking literally five to five in the morning and I am completely awake and enraptured by the game of football that we've just got to watch stunning stuff on prime time something that we haven't managed to enjoy on a regular basis seattle seahawks went out at home 31 25 this despite the fact that buffalo held the ball for more than 40 minutes in one of the toughest places to win in the nfl ran 82 plays versus 42 for seattle but they came up short now there are quite a few talking points from this. Let's start off with the positives for Seattle. Russell Wilson looking like the Russell Wilson of old, completing 20 of 26 throws for 282 yards and two touchdowns, adding another score with his legs. Jimmy Graham, what a half he had. Two touchdowns, one, uh, one-handed catches for touchdowns. He just completely ignited the Seattle offense. There was one hurdle over Stephen Gilmore that was just so impressive from any running back as well. And then... Uh, you know, brilliant performance from the defence at the end on the final set of plays. KJ Wright gets the sack. Uh, Cliff Averill gets the big sack. Um, Bobby Wagner with 16 tackles on the night. All of that fantastic stuff. In fact, the last series of plays, okay, right at the end of the game, what I don't stand in the fourth quarter, it, the Buffalo had the ball on four and... Uh, Buffalo had the ball on um, 3 and 21 near the half because of sacks and penalties. And penalties cost the Bills in a big way tonight in general. But they ran the ball on that play. You throw it when you're within six. You might get back in field goal range. You save time off the clock. And if, if you go incomplete, um, 
and and you've just you put yourself in an all round better position. That was nuts to me. The final drive was phenomenal. Taylor sacked to make it third and twenty one at one point. He then brilliantly escaped pressure, hit Robert Woods down the sideline, up against Richard Sherman, who makes a great. Uh, catch and then Bobby Wagner hits late to take him down to the 23 they then have an offside on second and two Frank Clark off early Seattle having to use their timeouts at this point it was a real thrilling end to the game but it's not the end of the game I want to talk about it's the end of the first quarter because what is it with the refs in Seattle particularly on prime time remember when they basically handed the game to Seattle against the Lions last year because they didn't know the rules about putting the ball out the back of your own end zone well this was even worse Uh, the Bills 29 minutes 57 uh, had a 53 yard field goal attempt with three seconds left Um, Richard Sherman jumped clearly offside on the play and took out Dan Carpenter at the knees blocking the kick in the process somehow a personal foul for either roughing the kicker or unnecessary roughness wasn't called that's the first issue carpenter looked like he was in pain because the bills were out of timeouts the bills were charged a fourth timeout and carpenter forced to leave the game so the bills were heavily punished for having their kicker taken out at the knees and dean blandino tweeted afterwards that's actually an unnecessary roughness call that foul means he should stay in the game so he's holding his hands up and saying that the refs got that totally wrong um the, the the players start to leave the field with three seconds left on the clock you what um uh, walt anderson uh yeah it, and uh come on, just pleading with them to get back on because there were three seconds left um they removed Carpenter from the game, spiked the ball with one second left, so everything should be fine. Carpenter then got on the field, nailed the field goal, but the Bills were called for a delay of game penalty. And do you know why they were called for a delay of game penalty? Because the refs didn't set the ball down until there were five seconds left on the play clock. Carpenter then misses the 53-yard field goal attempt, of course. And, you know, that three points proved to be vital because at the end, Buffalo could have kicked another field goal and could have finished the game. Richard Sherman's now on sports centre mouthing off about that he didn't think it was roughing the passer it was a disgraceful call it was terrible refereeing and it I, I am one of the biggest exponents of you've got to you've got to play better than the ref's ref but it's not the first time Seattle have had fortune in their house on prime time where it is so loud where it must be so intimidating for the referees and it was just an utter disgrace to end that first half and it ruined what was otherwise a brilliant compelling game of Monday Night Football right I've stopped being angry now let's go back to the show mm-hmm. excellent Star Wars themed intro and outro noises this week Ollie please time code that and I'll record something about Monday Night Football first thing in the mornings so this podcast can be ready for everyone so we are asking the question uh, to people on Twitter are there any divisions that you think are going to have three teams come out of them? And what do you think should be our division of disgrace? Davey Moore actually tweeted us asking, has there ever been a time when there were three teams from one division in the playoffs in the current league format? Now, um, yes, is the simple answer. Since the expansion in 2002 to the um, eight four-team divisions, uh, I tr- basically, I decided to be a total nerd and do it as if I was doing one of those Quora. Is it Quora? The website where you get all the different quizzes. Sporkle. Yeah. Sporkle is what I meant. Quora is a question and answer thing. Um, like a Sporkle quiz style. And I tried to get all of the ones that had been since 2002. Um, I managed five out of six. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, so, that's, that's pretty good. Well done, mate. 
I did pre- pretty all right. 2006, the NFC East. 2007, the NFC East and the AFC South in the same season. Uh, remember when the AFC South was good. That was the 13-3 and Indianapolis Colts, the 11-5 and Jacksonville Jaguars, and the 10-6 and Tennessee Titans. Wow. <laughs> How things change. Uh, the AFC West back in 2013 when the Chiefs, Chargers and Broncos all came out. And the AFC North two years ago when the Cincy Bengals and the Ravens were both wildcard teams and the Steelers were the division winners. So Yeah, I thought there was one quite recently. Yeah, It's happened seven times. The one I didn't get. I didn't get that there were two in 2007. That was my bad. Oh, don't beat yourself up over it though, mate. Well, I have done now. Um, should we go through some of the tweets that we've had for people suggesting multiple playoff teams slash division of disgrace? Yes. You should have some in front of you there as well. Do you want to alternate? Um, yes. You go, you go first, buddy. Uh, Neil Dustin says, AFC West and NFC East to have three playoff teams. Uh, are we reacting to this or are we just reading them out verbatim? Well, I, we are going to react to it when we talk about the games. Okay. Bobby says AFC West could take both wildcard spots. Division of Disgrace, AFC North. No team over the 500 after week nine with those rosters. Shocker. Uh, Tony tweets AFC West, NFC East will have multiple playoff teams. Hmm, I see a trend emerging. Uh, Division of Disgrace is the NFC West and should be for however long Jeff Fisher has a job, <laughs> regardless of records. Tony, that's pretty good. Rob Fussy <laughs> tweets... AFC West will have the most playoff teams. The division of shame, shame. It's not the name, Rob Fussy, but I like it. Shame, shame. Uh, is the NFC West. It's a really good impression of the woman from Game of Thrones. Well done. Shame. Uh, Rob Fussy says AFC West again. The division of shame. Oh, I've just you've just read that one. Stupid. Um, Come on, mate. You're better Matt, than this. <laughs> Matt Waring says AFC North, surprisingly, could be the division of disgrace. AFC South, a close second. AFC West and East will have multiple playoff teams. So, again, that multiple playoff teams is emerging. That's I mean, a pretty obvious figure. Everyone's saying AFC West so far. Scott Campbell also does. And he also says the NFC North to have multiple playoff teams. Uh, I mean... That's a, that's a stretch. AFC North, no team above 500, and the Browns, in capitals, is the division of disgrace. Tom suggests the NFC South. He thinks New Orleans could eke into the playoffs, and, of course, the Panthers on a bit of a winning streak as well. Uh, plus, the AFC West could have three. And Stephen Adams finishes us off with the AFC North as the division of disgrace. Well, well, well good, that's my turn. But it's pony. You didn't come in. I gave you such a big gap. Yeah, no, so I just true. finished off. Uh, so uh, let's talk. Let's read. Um, let's read the guy, who, Rob Fussy, who says uh, AFC West will have the most playoff teams and the division of shame. shame. <laughs> I almost thought that was you shame. doing it then, mate. <laughs> shame. shame. It's so bleak, this scene. Shame. So bleak. Sorry, I just wanted to do that again. Carry on, buddy. It's all right. Thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about those divisions that people will think will have multiple playoff teams. The AFC West, which right now has more winning teams than the rest of the AFC combined. That's incredible. That's a great stat. I mean, it's not a stat. It's a fact, but it's great nonetheless. Hashtag stat or fact. Uh, so, yeah, the Broncos-Raiders was the Sunday night game. I picked the Broncos in this one. I didn't think the Raiders were going to do it at home. But, man, did the Raiders do it at home. They won out 30-20. to 20. Uh, 
hat-trick of touchdowns from the man I hate, Latavius Murray. Raiders top the AFC West at 7-2. and two. Broncos at 6-3. and three. And... The big difference for me with the Raiders team at this point, we talked about Derek Carr's steady improvement over the season last week, but that defense is starting to look like a real defense. Khalil Mack had some really good penetration. Uh, with the way that the defense has stood up in recent weeks, you see Perry Riley was picked up off Ravers, uh, Wavers, the middle linebacker. And what they've kind of done with him is he's made the middle look so much more dominant, which has allowed the likes of Bruce Irvin on the outside to go and make plays. They look like a real football team. They really do. And it's nice to see. And um, I think what is highlighted is with every single one of the touchdowns, uh, although Derek Carr didn't have a great game, but every single one of the touchdowns, they were proper into it. Like the whole team kind of knew that or, or, or sensed that something is afoot. Something's happening. There's some sort of, I don't want to use the word, it's not bandwagon, but there's some real re- momentum going on with this Oakland team, isn't there? Are you on the Oakland bandwagon? I, I am a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I want you to play the bandwagon music if you're going to be on the Oakland bandwagon, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> bandwagon. Um, good, there Woo! we go. And it kind of suits, you know, the West, a bit of the Wild West, yeah. the Wild AFC West. There's something in that. Um, <laughs> get rid of it now. Uh, what was what was kind of surprising me? I mean, uh, yes, Latavius Murray punched in those touchdowns from short, and on at least two of those occasions, it took him multiple tries to punch them in from short. But what was amazing to me was how the run defense was dominated by that big mauling offensive line. But when they got into the second and third level, there were a couple of occasions that Latavius Murray managed to break through the line, and. The lack of closing speed from the likes of Danny Trevathan was really surprising to me, especially considering the talent in the front seven. I'm not saying the Broncos aren't a good defense or aren't a great defense even, but they might be just good and not great this year. And that could be an issue come playoff time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Their offense isn't really clicking either. Um, I think uh, they're very much missing CJ Anderson and actually missing a decent quarterback too. Well, it's what's weird about it is that when they run the proper Kubiak system, so um, lots of run, setting up play action, setting up bootlegs, which on the two touchdown drives yesterday, they did that perfectly. Then they look like a really decent offensive team. That's how they set up the Jordan Norwood touchdown. Um, but what I don't understand is what they seem to be doing early on. Like They went out and they threw on the first three downs of the game. And any time that... Simeon does make a bad play or the offense makes a bad play it seems like he drops back deep immediately afterwards and is forced to make another big throw and it's almost like Kubiak is like throw him in at the deep end test him make sure he can do it and I'm like no but that's fine in preseason or against a less competitive team but you're playing in a divisional game stick with what works Gary stick with the run game stick with the bootlegs stick with the play action and I think they could have won last night there's a number of these games where okay they're not that's not tight in terms of the scoreline but we're going to look forward we're going to talk about the Vikings we're going to talk about uh, at least two or three of the other games where you look at it and you go wow that other team really should have won and kind of threw this away yeah. and the Broncos had their opportunities last night so there are, but there are three winning teams in the AFC West the other is the Kansas City Chiefs just to give you some chief stats 16 and 2 in their last 18 games they've won 10 straight home games uh, they and they <laughs> oh! Uh, 
Um, and I, I can't even charge it. There we go. Chiefs. Um, <laughs> uh, but they did it with Jeremy Macklin went out early they had no Spencer Ware and Shakandrick West didn't do a huge amount uh, Alex Smith was out you know to do it with and, and then Travis Kelsey getting thrown out of the game in the most bizarre way ever he oh got, I missed that tell me about it so he got two unsportsmanlike penalties on the same play and when he got the first flag, he then took out his military appreciation towel. Well, obviously, it's just like his normal towel, but in army colours, and threw it at the referee <laughs> like, like it was a penalty flag of its own. Do you know what? This is weird because I watched. I was watching some highlights whilst working today, and those flags are really chucked, aren't they? They the, throw them right they, up in the air. But I saw one. I think it was. Uh, I think it was in that Raiders game where the it was in, in in the end zone, and a bloke threw it, and it just whizzed past. I think Seth Roberts's head, and he thought, <laughs> "Bloody hell! If that hits him, I bet you he gets an unsportsmanlike conduct uh, uh, penalty against him." The old beanbag. But uh, so it reminded me a little bit of, do you remember when Gaza um, uh, for Rangers, the referee had left his cards in, uh, in uh, the uh, dressing yeah, room at yeah, half time yeah. and he went and ran and got them and then came out and booked the referee. It reminded me a bit of that, but a bit, maybe a bit more aggressive. And Travis Kelsey has apologised afterwards. But to get the win, 1914, uh, Jags rallied late, but too little, too late. Oh, God, the bloody Jags. Um, but all people really wanted to tweet us about was uh, was Travis Kelsey. Tom Marshall tweeted, let's have Goodell walk onto the field in person to throw the fine at Kelsey. And uh, Neil Dusson tweeted, what's the funniest thing you've ever thrown when angry? Someone I share a podcast with once threw a tennis racket at his mum. I've never done that. I don't think someone I... I think he means someone he shares a podcast with. Oh, right, right, right. I mean, Mains from Waxing Lyrical. Um, He did... Mains did then respond and say, there was a fence between us. Technically, I threw the tennis racket at the fence and my mum was on the other side of it. So, um, Ollie, you strike me as someone who could occasionally be a bad loser. Have you ever thrown something in anger? Do you know what? I'm not a bad loser at all in any way. I don't mind losing. But I've thrown thrown stuff in anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Like... Napkins. I've thrown a napkin, which didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, if you're at a dinner table and you've got a napkin and you get something annoys you, you go, ah, weather, and then you just chuck it, and it doesn't go anywhere. So it's funny that this has come up now because I maybe had a little outburst at work on Saturday. Oh, what happened? Uh, so <laughs> Hashtag office gossip. Uh, I had fi- we'd finished the morning show, and as you know, there's that little like three hours in between the morning show and the lunchtime show where we do prep for the lunchtime show, but often you're left sitting around, having a chat, whatever else. And um, we had the tennis. We had uh, it was the semi It was the semi-finals. So we had the Isner Chilich match followed by what was meant to be the Murray Raonic match uh, that never happened. But um, Pete Hodges was in, and Simon Cambers were in. They were doing the commentaries, and um, I somehow we got onto the conversation of the EU ruling earlier that week and the papers' reaction. And I maybe got my back up about it a little bit because my whole thing with it is is that. The people who voted Brexit 
beyond their anti-immigration rhetoric, the whole rhetoric that they were going down was British laws for British people not being controlled by Europe. And then when a British court says that we have to abide by British laws and have the <laughs> parliament be sovereignty, they all kick off about it. And I basically had that exact rant, but louder and angrier. Well, the and irony the end- is wonderful, isn't it? And at the end of it, I semi-accidentally because I swiped it as a joke but like I did swipe it My, the keyboard uh, which is wireless was kind of slightly hanging off the edge of the desk and I flipped it up in the air with much more force than I meant to it hit Pete Hodges in the arm and the batteries flew out everywhere so uh, my apologies to Pete Hodges he's a lovely man and uh, I'm uh, sorry that I got so angry let's move on from this uh, disgraceful episode from you <laughs> uh, Wow. Tom Marshall also asked, is it time to bag, ban the Jags from playing in London? They are shocking, and Bortles looks like a broken quarterback. Uh, yes, both. I can't... Oh, I, come I, on, I, they've won in London the last two times. Yeah, but they they look... The, the difference was, for the last time that they won in London, the time before the last one, uh, they went on a bit of a run, they looked like a football team, they looked like they could actually play football. They've been awful, awful yeah, since they they've come back. They desperately need somebody to get in and um, sort out his mechanics. So, yeah, that needs to happen ASAP. But the man I'd hoped it was going to be, Mike McCoy, it's not going to be him. The Chargers, they're now up to four and five after beating the Tennessee Titans in the evening game last night. 43-35. This was a fun game of football. What a great game. You called it as well. Um, the What... <laughs> What was made so brilliant about it was the almost laissez-faire attitude of both defences to allow the offences just to do whatever they wanted, really. Um, I, I, I went... I went to watch this game at the Hippodrome and due to the nature of these two teams not being particularly popular in the UK and the fact that it was just after International Series Week so I think everyone was still like hurting in their wallets a little bit still feeling it after like three International Series games in four weeks, whatever it was. After the early games, that place emptied out quick. Like, normally at 9.30 for that later game, most of the crowd stays at least for the first half before they have to go get the last tubes home. In the main theatre, where there are a couple of hundred seats, Mm. there were maybe 15, 20 people left in there watching it. Wow. It was pretty funny. I mean, that is is quite funny, yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, I was with an actual Titans fan, and an actual Chargers fan was sat in front of us, so, you know. There are some of them there. A Titans fan that lost his job earlier that week, so God. he's not, um, he's not man. feeling too great. Yeah, I, and I'm not feeling too great after going out to try and cheer him up last night. What was your main takeaway from this game, other Melvin than the, other than the incredible baby blue uh, baby blue uh, uniform from the Chargers? If ever London gets a team, we should have that uniform. It's just ah. beautiful. Hashtag get watch. Um, I yeah, it was Melvin, all Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Um, what's funny about Melvin Gordon is just watching him over the last few weeks. Is that I'm still not sure he is a good running back. Now, <laughs> let me let me explain oh, to you. Wow. Let, let that, me explain is, to you why. That is absolutely. Do you know what that is? is yeah, he deserved <laughs> one of those. <laughs> right. I think he is a good running back in terms of he's a big downhill runner. He's if he hits the hole and he gets ahead of steam up, it's very difficult to bring him down. It's very difficult to stop him. But he almost looks like a high-end fullback rather than 
a good modern running back. If you look at Ezekiel Elliott, you look at Le'Veon Bell, you look at Todd Gurley before the Rams fell apart this year, and what you really notice is their patience and their elusiveness and how much of a difference that makes on their game in particular. Um, Melvin Gordon doesn't have that. Melvin Gordon, if he makes a cut, it takes about two seconds for him to change direction. Like, he is slow when he's in the open field, unless he's got that head of steam going and he's just running in a straight line. But what's happened with this Chargers team is because uh, they lost Danny Woodhead, because they lost Keenan Allen, because they lost etc., 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 they were forced to kind of switch things up and go with this much more zone blocking, much more opening up the field in front of him, playing the fullback so he had a lead blocker. They've played to his strengths, and he's been brilliant because of it. And it just proves that if he's in the right system, he's the sort of running back who could easily run for 1,500 yards in a year. But I think you put him in a not very good football team, and you're not going to suddenly see him producing in the way like some other running backs, like Adrian Peterson has done for years at the Vikings when they've not been so good up front. That's more the kind of point I was making. So does that mean that Todd Gurley's not a very good running back? And no, it's really difficult with Todd Gurley. Uh, I like that second season. It's, it's, it's a really interesting situation, Todd Gurley, because I do think the, the raw ability is still there, but he has clearly lost all confidence whatsoever after being hammered constantly, after having that terrible line. Um, I tell you, there was a fascinating stat regarding um, Zeke Elliott this weekend that uh, of his yards this season, over two-thirds of his total yardage has come before contact, which is ridiculously high, because what that suggests is that, guess what? Their offensive line is really good, yeah. and they open up those opportunities, and it means that, that it just gets past that first level. Two, two out of every three times, he'll get past the first level untouched, and that is ridiculous. For Todd Gurley, I looked up the same stats, and his yards before contact, even with his very low yardage, is down in like the 32-33% mark, which just shows that he's having to work so hard for every single yard he earns, and still is only getting that 2.9 yards per carry, and it's just... It's so horrible to watch such a great player smothered by terrible coaching and a terrible team. And it's encapsulated by a play that I saw last night where he uh, went... The, he went up to the to the line pretty quick. Obviously, he's a, he's a running back, and the the offensive lineman was was two timed by uh, two defensive guys. And Gurley, a normal Gurley, would sort of stutter step, jink round, or see something. Gurley just ran into his own man, into his own man, and then uh, was was tackled, brought to the floor. There's nothing there for Gurley at the moment, and no, that albeit offensive line. Running lanes, um, patience. He's he's shot for the moment. I don't think that's him done. Obviously, who who would I? Who am I to say that? But I think at the moment, he's not looking good. Um, let's move from one division we think could have multiple uh, up to three teams into another the NFC East still every team remains above 500 obviously Washington on a bye week uh, after they came out and got the tie in London um, we'll mention the Cowboys Brown 35-10 um, I, I just mentioned Zeke there but Zeke Elliott very much being a Zeke Elliott in this one Dak being Dak as well uh, Tiger Tenno tweeted us saying can you explain why the Browns are useless uh, years of terrible management. Yep. That, that, I mean, it's like a broken record. Well, the Browns it's, are like a broken record, but us saying why they're useless is like a broken record as well. It really is years, years of awful management, awful drafting. Everything has been abysmal there. 
And it's that constant rotation within the team. It's that constant changing the GM, changing the head coach, changing the GM, changing the head coach. Just that you never get the stability there. And you do feel like with the team they've got in place now with Sashi Brown and his boys and, and with Hugh Jackson there, with the way they're trading draft picks, with everything else, that they are looking like they, they've got a good base to build on. Right now, I'd rather be a Browns fan than a 49ers fan just for the future, not for the history and the records and everything else, but just looking, or, or the weather, but just looking to Oof. the future based on the squad, the coaching, everything else. The Browns have got some real positives to draw um, from at the moment, which uh, there are there are some franchises who are down in the mess who don't have the same level. So d- just look forward and, and try to enjoy it. We did see Jason Witten catch uh, a touchdown after Jamie Collins did exactly what the uh, exactly what Jamie Collins did uh, in New England that got him cut. He went free roaming. He lost his man. So they need to tighten him up. But he has only been with the team like four days. So calm down all the Patriots fans who suddenly got on Twitter and started throwing shade at Jamie Collins for one bad play when he's been at a team for like four or five days. I'll tell you what, the Cowboys look the real deal. I yes. Mean, yeah. There's no bandwagon. The bang- bandwagon has become a freight. The bandwagon. The, yeah, that as well has become a freight train, heading Oof. heading towards Houston. Houston. Uh, <laughs> the the irony being that a freight train going to Houston would be very unlikely because it's a, a purely pasto terminal, mate. Yeah. Hashtag th- train watch. Yeah. Thanks. Choo uh, choo. That's great stuff. Can right. I save? Can I can I save the gag with a with a with a terrible sound effect? Oh, um, I'm fully losing my voice. Was it a gag? I am so it tired. sounded like it was just you trying to kind of tell people about you trying to tell people about Houston being a passenger train station. What is this? Let's talk What's about happened the, here? Let's let's talk about the actual <laughs> NFC East clash. Do you know what? There's only one thing for you. Oh God! Shame. <laughs> there was some background background noise there. I'm apologising for that too. Some back groin noise. Oh, I can't talk either. Get on, a- get over it. <laughs> right, it's very chippy. The podcast today. Um, uh, Eagles, Giants, Giants run out twenty-eight to twenty-three winners. And remember earlier when I talked about games which one team should win and manage to cock up for themselves. Man, was that the Eagles yesterday. Two failed fourth down conversions in the second quarter, a blocked field goal. Only the Vikings are more in the should-have-won-this-game category, and we'll get to them in just a moment. But for me, those those failed fourth down conversions, it wasn't about the decision to make a play. I actually liked the decision in both occasions. Short field, fourth and one, why not go for it? It was the style of the play. You've got a short field and you're running these stretch runs to the outside where your running back has got to make up four or five yards before they've even hit the line of scrimmage. You've got no potential threat of play action or anything else because of the way you're set up doesn't suggest there's any threat of the pass so all the defense can focus on the run and you're just making it really easy for teams to stop you either look for the play action option or quarterback sneak smash it up the middle there are so many better ways to gain a single yard i'm not saying a stretch play isn't a bad play in the nfl there's potential for it and you can break off big runs for it but just situationally bad play calling doug peterson bad play calling i really like the giants at the moment um uh, eli manning looked really poised in the pocket their receivers are, are making plays, getting Odell Beckham in the game. Okay, we didn't have a great name, yard, a great game yards-wise, 
just the 46. But those two touchdowns and, and the one breaking across the field was outstanding. So what I like that from the Giants offensively. Defensively, okay, they let the Chiefs get back into it. Uh, the, what, the Eagles get back into this. But th- what you have is... is guys like Landon Collins making plays all over the shop and I, I quite like what the, the Giants are doing sort out their running game and they could be a very very good team um, so those are the two divisions we think could have multiple winners in it oh yeah but the Washington were on a bye this week but they look you know with their two tight end sets and everything else that's going on around them they could be a sneaky outside bet for the wild card as well so let's talk division of disgrace and I think there are three clear candidates right now and one candidate which I think we need to talk about seriously, Ollie. I know which one you mean. I know. Now, the clear candidates are obviously the AFC South. Texans were on a bye this week. Uh, they're the only team with a winning record. But we'll they're not a good talking. team. We'll get on to talking about the team who did suddenly show that they were a good team this week. Uh, the NFC West, another obvious candidate. You've got the 7-9 and nine Bull things you've got the terrible 49ers you've got the cardinals having a huge drop off from last season and then you've got the seahawks who actually they haven't scored an offensive touchdown in nine quarters before tonight they still look like they have problems even at four and two and one Mm -hmm. probably five and two and one after tonight but they still look like a team who are going to win that division with ease and go to the playoffs um the uh, AFC North is another interesting shout. A lot of people got in touch with us on that one and said, look, no team's above 500 when the division's that good. But I think the fact that a lot of those are the uh, teams taking wins off each other, which happens in the AFC North more than almost any other division, maybe other than the NFC East, where you can kind of see every team coming out of their divisional games 500 across the year, and then it's what they do outside the division that counts. But let's talk about the NFC North, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now w- yeah. we've got now we've got teams in there with a plus five hundred record right now. We've got two teams in, three teams in there with a five hundred or better record. In fact, plus the Chicago Bears. The less said about them, the better. But your Packers losing at home to an Indianapolis Colts team that we have called nothing short of a shambles in recent weeks, thirty-one to twenty-six. The kickoff return to kick the game off, and first one in twenty years. What, at Lambeau Field? The, the, a Packers team anywhere has oh, allowed, wow. allowed a, the opening get, the opening um, play to uh, become a, a kick-off return for a touchdown. Look, let's start off by saying nice things about the Colts because it was the best Colts performance I've seen all season, certainly the best from their secondary. Andrew Luck, there was one play where it was late in the game, it was a third down, third and long down conversion, and Green Bay had been blitzing all day. Like They'd really gone hard on the blitz, actually. And uh, Ha-Ha Clinton-Dix was closing Andrew Luck down for the sack. He stood in the pocket, he stood strong, and threw a beautiful completion to Jack Doyle over the middle, which was one of the best throws I'd seen all day. And, you know, it was one of those things where anyone who wants to slag off Andrew Luck for anything, his pocket presence, his ability to read the field. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, not just one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. People need to get over their Andrew Luck hate right now. Go and watch the game he played yesterday because he was the reason they won this. Um, Yeah, despite those two interceptions in the first half as well. But that was part of it. He he played, like, after... A quarter, he had like 55 yards and two interceptions. You're going, oh my God, this is going to be a terrible day. And then he put the team on his back and won it. That's what was brilliant from Andrew Luck. What happened to Green Bay, buddy? 
Um, Mike McCarthy said after the game, we started it badly because we weren't, we didn't have enough energy. And I think that was evident across the board. There wasn't enough oomph. <laughs> That's such a such a a layman's way of putting it. But there wasn't. It, there was. Where was the oomph, guys? There, guys, there was no oomph. There was nothing there. It was. It was like they didn't have they didn't have the the energy nor the wherewithal to beat a team that I think they thought were there for the taking and easy to beat there, there was I think some complacency the scheme still isn't quite right um, didn't give the ball enough to Ty Montgomery that for inst- for some reason um, there was a committee involving Don Jackson and, and uh, Randall Cobb I, just do what you did at, in Atlanta and replicate that at, at Lambeau Field against a poorer team in the Colts. They did not do that. It's weird what's going on there. Weird. Do you know? Do you know what is really weird about it? And you've you've hit the nail on the head with a couple of points there. Is that Atlanta? play a similar sort of zone defense to what Indianapolis did. And what Green Bay did against the Falcons was they did everything they hadn't done in the past six months. They used interesting route combinations to get people separation, particularly in the first half against Atlanta. Atlanta actually made some really good adjustments in the second half and shut down a lot of that. But against the Colts, they went straight back up to trying to beat guys one-on-one and doing nothing no crossing routes nothing no movements on the line no shifts just nothing to confuse the defense whatsoever and i think you what you the way you got the nail on the head there was i think they went into this game thinking we've watched the colts play this year they're not very good we don't have to do anything special to beat them it forced rogers to make all those crazy throws again and what really pissed me off more than anything else ollie was that it clearly wasn't working in the first half so why were there no halftime adjustments to try and bring that scheme back in that they showed so well against the falcons i got really annoyed with it the play calling was so poor all night and this is constant this has been going on now maybe two or three years where the adjustments are not being made during the game and the the adjustments are being made from game to game so i i I don't remember who was on the on the calls but the the cocom guy the color commentator guy said why is richard rogers in there when they had so much um success without having a tight end as part of the the packages with guys coming out of the backfield and what they did in Atlanta why why have they reverted back to type it's it's baffling it's baffling and I think it's almost a case of things may have gone stale for some of the coaching organized oh, the, the the coaching um, staff at Lambeau Field and that's sad for me to say sorry mate it's fine, it's fine. I just got frustrated watching it. We uh, In the Hippodrome, that was the second game nearest us whilst the, uh, whilst the Chargers were on the main screen. And then you had the Lions-Vikings game. Now, the Lions won this one 22-16. I think anyone who watched football last night saw how this game ended. Vikings, with 23 seconds left, had this game absolutely in the bag. Matthew Stafford, take a bow, because he made two great drives to win this game. Uh, Admittedly, it took a 58-yarder from Matt Prater to get them into overtime. Um, There's every chance the Lions actually could win the uh, the NFC North at this point. But do you know what's really amazing about the Lions at five and four? And this is one of the reasons I think that this falls into a potential division of disgrace. Mm. They have been behind in the fourth quarter in every game this season. 
all nine games the Lions at some point have been losing in the fourth quarter. That is true of only one other team in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns. Wow. And they've got a plus 500 record. That's amazing. So... uh, admittedly part of that is you've got to be clutch you've got to dig your team out it's why Matt Stafford is being discussed in the MVP race more of that in our award show later this week but this was a game that the Vikings threw away rather than the Lions winning they played well late on the final drive with Golden Tate getting that touchdown beautiful stuff First thing is the Vikings need a new kicker, ASAP. I've liked Blair Walsh for a long time, but he hits one of those missed kicks and they win this game. Mm. There was a big difference with Pat Sherman with the offense as well, which I think did work in their favor and makes me kind of slightly positive on the Vikings beyond this week, even though they threw this one away. And that's that they went quick strike a lot more gadget plays, got the ball out quickly. It was like North Turner the last two weeks had been really stubborn in looking at what had happened with the O-line and saying, no, no, I think we can still win playing with the style of offense we did with these second-level guys in there. And it was failing miserably. At least they tried to change the style of the offense to compensate for the fact that they were a banged-up mess. Um, so there's some positivity, but... The Vikings have lost three on the bounce now, and so it's not a lot of positivity. No, it's, a, it's a huge slide from them. Uh, I think the Bradford experiment is starting to come home to roost. Uh, the, the injuries are, are not helping in the cause as well. And yeah, I think the old show's curse on Blair Walsh is start is 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 in full swing. Unlike his. His kicking leg, which was not... Hey, oh, yeah. they, have, they have confirmed they're working out kickers and looking at options today. So he's not lost his job yet, but I think he will do. Um, let's talk about some other disgraceful performances. The AFC North was another one that was suggested. Steelers went to the Ravens. They're now 4-4 four and four each after the Ravens won 21-14. But let's, lest we not forget, this is a game where the Steelers, through three quarters, had 69 yards of total offence and 89 penalty yards. Why? They were were 21-0 down with something like 12 minutes left to play. This was all junk time from from, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. As I said earlier, Chris Boswell's failed Rabona will now be the name of all of my fancy teams. Um, But where's this explosive offense that we got told all season? Once all three of them are on the field, we're going to have no problem whatsoever, guys. Yeah, uh, again, a very strange game because both offences didn't really do anything well until it became Ben Roethlisberger's gunk time um, charade almost, but um, topped off by Boswell and that ridiculous Rabona attempt. Um, It was a strange game. You look at the box scores and you think, "What, what is... What's going? Why? Why? What? What is this game all about? <laughs> it's a weird, weird game. <laughs> the, the, it's it was a typical AFC North. Neither team really wanted to win it. <laughs> Both teams tried to lose it. I, 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 I'm really annoyed with myself that last week when we talked about these games, I was so on the fence and came so close to backing the Ravens to win it, and then ended up going with the Steelers. But. Big Ben is terrible whenever he goes to M&T Bank. Eight, in, uh, eight touchdowns and 12 interceptions in his career when he plays in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, and the Ravens are just a really well-coached team. I know we've said that a lot of times, but they doubled Antonio Brown constantly. They left a high safety, and they just completely took away any opportunity to make plays. Le'Veon Bell was squashed all day long. Uh, on the other side, 
them getting healthier. Ronnie Stanley came in. He gave away a lot of penalties actually early on. But beyond that, uh, they looked uh, they looked better on offense with getting those players back, with getting those players back on defense as well. And I think the Ravens genuinely have an opportunity right now to grab this division by the horns and go on and win it because nobody else seems to want to and because they're suddenly getting healthy at the right moment. Yeah, I totally agree. You take away Mike Wallace's 95-yard touchdown, that there's nothing. The Baltimore Ravens did nothing <laughs> save from that. I think it, it, it could almost be one of those where the NFL needs to change its rules and say, right, this division's so bad, no one's coming out of it. I, I've said that for a while. That I, like, I think uh, if you can't get a winning record you're, uh, within your division, then you're spot gets handed over to somebody else someone else who's played better throughout the year in a tougher division but then people go oh, then what's the point of division no, get like, out those people can get out uh, um, there were three more games let's talk about the other three games from yesterday uh, the other possible division of disgrace candidate that was raised was the NFC West wasn't it so let's talk about the two games involving those uh, Panthers 13 Rams 10 uh, this was a game that was 7 nothing with much of the fourth quarter still with, with not much of the fourth quarter still left to go um, but the Panthers now have two straight wins off the back of the bye and the defence continues to look really good over the last few games they whoa, kept whoa, the running- whoa 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 it looks good against a very bad Rams offence okay I get that. I get that the Rams are looking pretty 7-90 and 90 right now. but They're looking worse than that, buddy. Uh, um, they kept the running game going against an excellent Rams front seven, though. Just lots of positives for the Panthers, even though, realistically, if it was the Panthers of last season, they'd have gone in and blown out this terrible Rams team. But, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just couching my expectations. This was a pretty bad game of football. This wasn't like the low-scoring game between the Seahawks and the Cardinals, which was exciting and low-scoring. This was pretty poor football. I, I, I mean about the, the Rams and their offense. It could have been very different had Lance Kendrick's friend of the show um, managed to catch the ball on the goal line, which was thrown to his numbers. Um, if they catch, he catches that, but then they, then that brings in the whole chaos theory. What else could have happened after that? It's a whole new strand of the universe, so we don't know. Um, but it could have been a very different story. Uh, I, what I really liked about this game was Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald. The, how Ooh. fun are they to watch? Against yes, so much against a, actually a very good offensive line, in, a, a much improved offensive line in Carolina. As I was gonna say, very good is a stretch. Let's say much improved. That's fine. Yeah, much improved, and with Cam Newton as well. That was that was the highlight. Actually, I didn't think this was. It, it wasn't a, a great game, but it wasn't a terrible terrible game to watch. It wasn't a a game that screams thirteen and ten. You think, oh god, I'm not going to watch any of that again. I I, I quite liked it. I kind of feel like it's, this says a lot about the kind of football fan somebody is, whether they enjoyed that game more or the game in San Francisco more. Because the game in San Francisco was almost built for the red zone generation. It was like a sloppy college game. No tackling, big long catch and runs. It was just a total mess. Um, finished 41-23. No surprise the 49ers running out the winners. No surprise that we had running backs on both teams going for over 100 yards and multiple scores. Um yeah, it was just all in all a messy, messy game of football. But did you see the play that the 49ers ran before half time to hold the Saints to a field goal? Nope. Right. So I remember the Eagles doing this against the Cowboys either last year. I think it was, either, I think it was last year. And the 49ers did it to the Saints yesterday. And what's going to happen is this play 
I've, I've seen it happen now before halftime a couple of times. I think somebody's going to do it at the end of the game to kill a game off, and the NFL are going to have to go in and change the rule because it's going to really upset people at some point. But what they did was, if you tackle a receiver off the ball, it's a five-yard penalty. Mm-hmm. But if the play is completed and, and finishes, so either the quarterback is sacked, they run the ball, whatever, the clock continues to run despite the five yards because it's like an off-the-field penalty. I'm not really, like, because it's an off-the-ball penalty, basically. Yeah. The play continues, but you just lose the yardage. So what they did was, at halftime, the, the Saints were probably in a position where they could have gone for a couple of shots at the end zone, but the clock kept running, and so they went and ended up taking the field goal opportunity. The 49ers defensive backs basically came up to the line of scrimmage, and as the ball was snapped, they all tackled their respective receiver to the ground. Across the line, they just took them all out. It was bizarre to watch, but technically, and it's illegal in terms of it's a five-yard penalty, but technically it's not something which you can't do. And so it forced the Saints to kill off the half and keep them within a couple of, within a score or whatever. There's another, there was another one that was used by the Green Bay Packers, uh, Ty Montgomery on a kickoff or, or a punt return, one or t'other. Um, I like the, the use of t'other there. If the ball goes out goes back to i think it's the 35 yard line it's technically out if a player is out of bounds and touches the ball is this the out of the back of the end zone one? it's something like that so the time montgomery lined up out or, or um laid down had his toes on the out of bounds white marker touched the ball and the ball then gets take goes from where it was which was on i think the four yard line to the 35 yard line as though it had gone straight. It, it was I, I, someone else can look it up and 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 uh, and tell me exactly what happened. But it was something like that. So there were these quirky rules in the NFL, which really don't make any sense. But coaches and teams know about them and exploit them to their to the fullest. It's, it's genius. But like I say, I just it's well worth going and watching the extended highlights from this game just to see that play because it's something that I think. Someone is going to see this and do it at the end of a game in order to kill a game off where they're leading by more than a field goal and people are going to kick off about it. Um, just a very quick mention to Mark Ingram, bounce back game. Well yeah. done for him. Well done, Colin, Kaep- Colin Kaepernick had a good game of football yesterday. I feel After- rather pleased with myself that I started Colin Kaepernick over Ben Roethlisberger. And, that, uh, that is a, a genius, stupid move, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, but it worked. Um, so. Yeah. Um, and Michael Thomas, who had the breakout game that we've been waiting for all year from the Wookiee wide receiver. Oh, There's great. an old one bringing it back. The oldies for the um, goodies. But with all of them, you have to couch the fact that it was going up against a terrible defensive side on the other side of the ball. So swings and roundabouts. Um, one final game to talk about. Jets 23, Dolphins 27. Jets now 3-6. and six, Dolphins now 4-4. Four and four, And they lost it in an incredibly Jetsy way. Kenyon Drake's return touchdown won the game at the end. Exciting stuff, but again, a little bit messy. Did you, did you see this? This was a redone kick yeah. after, an, after an offside forced the kick back. And it was almost like that completely took the Jets out of the game. They weren't ready when the retaken kick was taken mentally. And they absolutely paid for it. Um, is it time we saw some Bryce Petty? Well, um, it's uh, been confirmed that Ryan Fitzpatrick, who left the game and then came back with a with a walking boot, 
not a walking boot, but a knee brace, has a sprained MCL, so he could sit out next week. It would be a great time to great time to do it. Bring him in, activate uh, Christian Hackenberg to to sit behind Bryce Petty. Who knows? Interesting. I'm surprised you missed that bit of news, buddy. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you also missed, and I called it on the show last week, that Niall Davis has been re-signed by the Chiefs. I mean, not very incredible news, but you also missed that. Brilliant. Um, we should mention, for the Dolphins side, JHI, 111 yards, 26 carries, and a touchdown. Incredible. Um, against a great run, D. Um, uh, but I have to say, I, I tweeted this at the time and, and got quite a lot of response for it. The difference for me is that kicking Laramie Tunsil inside to left guard, Brandon Albert coming back and looking fit, the left side of that line has completely transformed the offense in the past three weeks. And that is what's making the difference for me for the Dolphins. Really impressed with what they've done. And, and they're now back up to four and four. And in an AFC where there's about 15 teams on 500 out of 16, that's, you know, it, they're an interesting prospect. JJ is the real deal. The real deal, 500-something-plus yards in three games is insane. It's not been done, uh, I think, since Adrian Peterson did it a few years ago uh, on, a, uh, as admittedly, a, and also a very poor team. What you've got in Ajay as well, he's a guy that recognises that if the, the play that's being called is likely to get snuffed out, he will then find another option. And he's doing that routinely, game after game. That's football smarts. Coming from hey. London Bournes, JJ. <laughs> and guess what? It's exactly the opposite of what I was saying about Melvin Gordon earlier. JJ is doing that on a less good football team. That's why he's been more impressive than Melvin Gordon to me. I just wanted to make note of uh, a lateral in this game. Did you see the lateral? The Fitz lateral. The Fitz lateral. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Fitz lateral, you know. <laughs> Uh, there was a moment actually in the 49ers game where Dujuan Harris is that how you call Dujuan Harris? Uh, the one, yeah, Dujuan Harris. Um, he's not. He's not Portuguese. It's a soft J. It was a. It was a, a handing off. He was handed the ball by Kaepernick, who sort of went out to the left. Harris went to the right. It got snuffed out. Came back to the left, and there was an easy pitch to Kaepernick. Easy. Instead, he took the two or three yard uh, loss. I want more laterals in the league. It's going to be a campaign of mine. More laterals in the league. Oh, God. I might need to come in there and start controlling the desk if you're going to start talking about more laterals in the league. Uh, we've had a few more tweets in since we started doing the show, so let's just go through these. Go Nick, on, yes. Nick, Nick wants to nominate the AFC North as the division of disgrace, a division that normally has two to three playoff teams and is terrible this year. Um... Simon Noble asks us to please recreate the conversation between Tomlin and Boswell after the shocking Rabona. We're going to need the beeps ready if we do that. So I don't think uh, I don't think my editing skills are up to it, to be quite honest. Uh, Martin Opry says not quite a disgrace yet, but the NFC West has to be the most disappointing division. That could be a reason for it being the 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 point with the division of disgrace is it is the division which we're most annoyed by watching. And sometimes that can be, you know, that could even be, say, the AFC East. If the Patriots go on and win it 15-1 and one and no one else finishes above 500. Nah, but then, I disagree with that. it could be the division of disgrace based purely on that's, it's that's, horrible to watch because there's no competitive edge to it. Yeah, I disagree with that because I think the Bills are fun to watch and the Dolphins with JHIE are interesting to watch. So I disagree yeah, with was, that. It was, it was just an example. Well, I'm disagreeing with you on it. it, it but it's... Oh, just shut up. Uh... 
Somebody sent us, uh, oh, Mark, who's a, a Lions fan, often tweets us, says, here's a stat for you. Teams that are down, uh, that are down three, exactly three points with 30 seconds or less and have the ball inside their own 30 are 0 and 98 since 2001. Not anymore, they're not. They're now 1 and 98. But wow. it's, a bit, it's a bit specific. Now. Yeah. <laughs> that's one for the real stat lovers um, and then uh, the weird one is Simon Myers <laughs> I have a question for you guys who's your favourite Hillary Duff Swank Ben or Clinton um, I would go well, she's had some work done recently old Swank I'm going to go Duff I don't think I have a favourite Hillary uh, Sir night, Edmund is my favourite <laughs> great Hillary mate that's a really good Hillary that's that's the best Hillary no other uh, case closed move um, on yeah uh, I, I, for, for the next two nights my favourite Hillary is Clinton um, but after that we'll see um, and then the same thing who's your favourite Trump top trumpet a bottom noise or Donald um, the Donald second certainly comes la- bottom Donald certainly comes bottom of that list the second last is yeah, my favourite favorite Trump. Trump yeah yeah Trump's an actual Trump yeah 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 why not brilliant I'm going to do one into the microphone before I leave you don't do it that's uh, great. <laughs> I promise I won't really because then I have to deal with the smell because I'm not in the same room as you uh, we've got all the games Ollie and look we are over an hour <laughs> who would have oh, thought what a surprise what a surprise who would have thought right um Awards show later in the week. Please tweet us at Gridiron with your thoughts for categories because it means I don't have to do it and I'm lazy. Uh, otherwise, tweet us at Gridiron uh, and our usual address is at WillGav at Ollie Hunter. We love hearing from you and interacting with you during the football or otherwise. Just tweet us about your life, guys. We love talking to you. Yeah. Um, and girls. Yeah, either or. We're not a, we're not a sexist uh, podcast here. Um, Ollie. Any final thoughts, buddy? None. Any final thoughts, Will? I am going to go and finish working on my Korean barbecue stew. Ready for when my wife comes home. Um, and then Is she I'm not back a- yet? No, she's got a governor's uh, training something or another. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Something school-related. I'll be in trouble for not knowing what that is, except she's not here and will never listen. Hooray! Um, that so- is seven and nine bullshit. Husbandry it, it, from you. It, it's in the world of husbandry, that is indeed seven and nine ball hickey. Uh, so, otherwise, thank you very much for listening, everyone. No. We <laughs> love you lots. Uh, uh, this, I don't know where to go from that. Uh, so, I'll just say thank you, guys. Love you. Bye. This has been the Gridiron Show. Are you saying boor boorns? <laughs> I was saying boorns. Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sport relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular. Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is our winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit. You can help change the world too. 
Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast.